0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Golf Bag Podcast. My name is Drew Matthews. I'm the founder of FantasyGolfBag.com. This week, we'll be talking about the Hewlett Packard Enterprise Houston Open. Uh, the last couple, the last couple events, they've had a lot of fun with these names. We got the Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba last week. We had the Butterfield Bermuda the week before. Um, yeah, but we'll be <laughs> previewing the Houston Open. We're going to refer to it as the Houston Open. Um, yeah, you might, I'd say this is probably a better field than, uh, than we saw last week. I think a little bit more top-heavy, or not top-heavy, but there's some bigger names collectively at the top of the, the pricing, which we'll go through. Um, golf course is interesting, so we'll talk a little bit about how this course set up last year, um, but with uh, a lot of these guys seeing it for the first time, some coming back for the second time, which I think actually gives them a, a good bump this week we'll talk through uh, a little bit of my strategy and what I'm thinking for the Fantasy Golf Bag members in terms of how you're going to kind of play out this pricing. Um, I think there's 24 guys priced 8000 to 11100 with Sam Burns. So again, you're going to want to, you can only get like two or three of those guys, probably three of those guys. And then you're probably, if you paid up over $10K, um, you're going to get stuck with a 6 k guy. So it's going to be important to try to navigate the cheap guys this week maybe a little bit more so than last week i think people i i feel like last week it was a good opportunity to to use the salary um not going to necessarily say like hovland was an obvious play but with the way his pricing was coming off a win the year before there was there was actually some decent spend-ups or at least guys that you could spend the money on that didn't feel like you were just eating into the chalk and it was baseless um This week, probably a little bit different on the cheap guys. It's going to be a little bit tougher to find uh, guys under like $7,200, but we'll definitely navigate those waters when we get there. I'll talk about the golf course a little bit. And like I said, this was an interesting spot on the schedule last year. So I'll I'll do a quick flashback. Um, The schedule last year had this Houston opened right before the Masters tournament. So long, long time ago when the world was right. The Houston Open used to be the precursor to the uh, Masters tournament. And the golf course would basically set up everything um, similar, we'll say similarly to the to the Masters tournament. They're, they're basically trying to get as much of as much of the aspects around the greens, um, shaved greens, really fast greens, no, I shouldn't say shaved greens, sorry, shaved collars off the greens. Obviously, very fast greens. Um, this time of year, in the fall, it's a little bit wet, so I'm not sure they could do that. Um, but I am I assume they tried. But usually this this tournament was played in the spring, right before the Masters, and they could get it pretty baked out after the winter months in Texas. And uh, guys would come here. They actually have a pretty good field. You guys would come here to prepare for the Masters. Um, ironically enough, last year, Dustin Johnson finished second in this event. And he went on to win the Masters. Um, it, that it's probably honestly nothing. I, I just thought that was very interesting that even though this golf tournament used to be used as a precursor to the to the Masters tournament, guys would that guys would show up here, they'd finish top five. Actually, honestly, the 2018 Millie was I think Russell Henley. I want to say Russell Henley finished like t8 or t9 in this event in the houston open and then that was the the main reason i played him and he was like six percent owned or something um he was sub ten percent and there was just a lot of correlation between guys that played really well in this event right before the masters and then go to the masters last year was a little bit different with um the course changing this would be the first time they were using uh the memorial park golf club but like i said you have Dustin Johnson finished in second, um, and then going on to to win the Masters. Ironically enough, and this is probably 100% coincidence, but it is worth noting, um, Hideki finished T2 here, and then ended up winning it in April. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe at the top of this leaderboard, we got uh, some Sam Burns love for uh, the Masters coming up, Terrell Hatton, et cetera. So... Yeah, a little bit about the golf course, then we'll talk about my the players and how I'm kind of approaching this week. Um, this is a 7,400-yard 7, par 70. It's very long. If we look at the leaderboard last year, Carlos Ortiz won. He shot 65 on Sunday and won at minus 13. So he shot uh, 3 under, 2 under, 3 under, 5 under. Um, it's going to be... Probably similar scoring again. I mean, you guys seen it for the second time, so I assume maybe a little bit lower. But I mean, seventy four hundred yards, par seventy, is no walk in the park. Um, the greens are going to be Bermuda. the The greens are actually pretty big. So, like I said, seventy four hundred yards. It's kind of got to cater to that. I think people get caught up a little bit too much in trying to decipher the the actual golf course. But architects architects honestly follow very strict um, guidelines when they start building holes. Um, Scott Fawcett talks a lot about this in the decade app for, uh, for tracking your statistics and stuff. But like the, the, the fairway width at certain distances is almost always the same. Um, I think at like 300 yards, it's like 70 yards wide, almost always, at least from trouble to trouble, I should say, not the actual fairway. Um, and then you see a course like this, 7,400 yards, like Really pretty long for a par 70, um, and the average green size is going to be 7,000 7, square feet, so pretty big. And uh, Like I said, people get caught up a little bit too much in trying to fit the golf course or think too much about the golf course, and like I've, I've talked about in the last year on this podcast and at fantasygolfbag.com is a lot of these guys, the same stats are going to translate this week to the next week. You're just trying to decipher which which stats you can throw out or overlook You know, week to week, like we'll talk about Mito here in a second. You know, we don't have strokes gained from last week, but Mito would be a perfect candidate where you would look through his round. Um, He shot 78 on Friday, and you would look through his round and see where did he really screw up? Like, did he hit two balls in the water? And that's why it looked like he lost four strokes on approach. There's a lot of caveats you can use uh, when you start breaking down. The players, and I don't think the golf course is really where you want to spend your time getting too into the weeds. But that's for another podcast. Um, there's been some changes they talked about from last year. Again, I don't want to get too much into that. I guess they updated the number nine green, um, and then they added a little bit of a little bit of green size to number two. Um, I will admit that's completely wasteful wasted what i just wasted 20 seconds talking about that because it really doesn't matter but um, there were renovations of the golf course so um i think the main takeaway for this for this specific golf course if you want to say 7400 yards is long par 70 adds to that length in a certain aspect and then if you look at the the leaderboard from last year obviously carlos ortiz won but you got hideki he's not he's not short by any means you got dustin johnson one of the longest guys on tour Taylor Gooch, he's above average on tour. Substraca, Brooks Kepka, Terrell Hatton, um, you got Jason Day, Sam Burns, Aaron Wise, Adam Long, all the long guys on tour. So distance is definitely not a disadvantage this week. Um, that that's probably that's probably the main takeaway if you guys want to lean a little bit towards distance off the tee. Uh, obviously, strokes to get off the tee incorporates distance and, and accuracy. So that's that's basically what I'm talking about, but this is a this is a long golf course, and guys are gonna have you know have to hit their driver well and they're gonna have to hit their long and mid irons well to stay in contention i mean the drop off t thirty was um sorry t thirty two was one under par so between first place and thirtieth place basically was twelve shots pretty pretty big <laughs> that's a pretty big drop off um i mean top ten was Was seven shots back, sorry, six shots back of Carlos Ortiz. So, yeah, look for look for guys that are a little bit on the longer side. Um, And uh, I don't know if you can really go correlate back and forth. Maybe the Masters has a little bit of of some correlation back to this golf course, vice versa. So, um, use that with what you will. But seventy four hundred yards, par seventy is the main takeaway. Let's dive into the players. Uh, I think. I think this is a really fun a fun pricing that we have to deal with. So over 10k. We have a huge jump for Matthew Wolf. Uh was a sneaky play last week. I will I will give credit to one of the guys in our in our fantasy golf bag chat, Crack Drafter. Um a savant in, in PGA showdown. Guys always crushing it um, seems to have graduated from, you know, low stakes, mid stakes to high stakes and continues to do well, which some people, you know, go stagnant and they move back down and he's really done a a good job. But he mentioned Matthew Wolf. And if you look through Matthew Wolf, um, kind of how he finished the year was awful. I mean, he really had a terrible year. And then when he started off in the fall swing, I think he had two back-to-back top tens, but a lot of people were using that general you know last 50 rounds last 24 rounds whatever it is you're you're pulling in a lot of not bad data but bad rounds of data um and matthew wolf showed it last week so he gets a big price bump this week so don't you know don't have sticker shock on the price jump it is well deserved especially with how he's been playing this fall swing um the guy i really want to highlight this week at 11,100 dollars is crazy to me just that (laughs) i want to go there sam burns is playing some of the best golf of really anybody in the world. If you want to look through you know, his recent results in this fall swing, obviously he won the Sanderson, played really well at the Shriners, and he ended up finishing T14, so a bit disappointing. Um, And then at the CJ Cup, he was almost in contention and finished fifth. So first place and a fifth place. He now comes to this course, which most people will think he has good course history with a T7. But what I want to bring to your attention is is he was actually leading this event after round two last year and round three last year. Then he struggled um, the last day. He shot 72. So he shot two over to obviously move pretty far down the leaderboard of where he was. Um, but yeah, so the T7 actually isn't as good as, you know, people people will say, yeah, T7 is good. He played better than that. He was, he was tied for the lead after round two. He was, sorry, he was solo lead after round two and he was solo lead after round three. Um, so I think this golf course is a great fit for him. He shot, if you want to talk about it, his scores last last year, 68, 65, 68, uh, and then 72. So call me crazy. This week, the other the other guy up here I'll, I'll just mention really quick, the guy that, that checks a lot of boxes for me is Sungjae. So if I want to spend over 10K, um, I'm really between Sam Burns and Sungjae M., I have have no interest in going to Scotty Scheffler and I have no interest in going to Tony Finau. Um, Tony Finau has seen this golf course for the second time, which could be a bump, but he's just, he's, he's been a little bit iffy. And if I'm going to pay over 10 K, you know, we'll just say Tony Finau is 10, six pay $500 more for Sam Burns. It's a no brainer for me. That's, that's really not a big, big drop off in the grand scheme of things. Um, the other guys that are in play, like I said, Matthew Wolf's been playing really well. I, I have no issue there. And Cameron Smith played really well this last year. We'll see if that continues. Um, I don't know if I, uh, I want to pay the price for him. He did have a, a top 10 at the CJ Cup, so he's still playing pretty good. But I really want to focus on Sam Burns this week. And then for the lineups that I don't play Sam, it will be Sung J M. Those are my two over 10K. Let's drop down into the. Let's we'll drop down to the nines and the eights. We'll kind of group this together. Um, so obviously, if I'm paying 11k for Sam Burns, I'm not going to have a ton of salary to kind of throw around into the eights and the nines. The guy that I do want to highlight is Aaron Wise, and then at 9200, he's probably the best value over. We'll say 8k. Honestly, even even over 10k. I mean, there, Sam Burns is no value, but the upside's there, which is which is why you want to play those guys. But Aaron Wise at, at 9,200 is is as good as it gets, I think. Um, T11 here last year, he played really well after uh, shooting even par in round one. Then he followed it up with a 66, 69, 69. So very consistent on this golf course. It's really just a matter of what time of year and how he's playing at that time of year. And he's been playing a lot better. Um, so we've looked through his last couple results, um, starting back at the Sanderson. He has a T26, T8, t5 t15 um last week at mayakoba so as you can see kind of continuing that good play and at 9200 i mean i mean t15 isn't isn't a bad expectation but you could really see him contending and finishing the top five easily in the top 10 with how well he's been playing so um he should be one of the more chalky guys but like i said there's ways to get different as we go down in the pricing. Um, Aaron Wise is the main guy I want to highlight, um, kind of in this entire range. And then I'll take an L as we move down into the, the rest of the eights. And there's a couple guys I'll mention as kind of secondary, but you know, just highlighting my, my best plays, my favorite plays that I want to focus on this week, Aaron Wise, obviously. The next one is Seamus Power. Which I want to take an L on first, because last week um, on our Wednesday night Fantasy Golf Bag live stream, I, I basically, I mean, I'm, I full faded Seamus Power, but I basically said he has so many bad, bad results, a couple of good starts um, for his consistency level, I would lean more towards the long-term form if he's had a couple good starts. So it just means like, basically to me, the ownership was starting to catch up to how well he was playing and going back to Mayakoba he played well he played really well um last week he finished let's see i think top 10 where are you at t11 so yeah so almost top 10 he's play, he's playing really well i have i really just can't say anything bad about him uh i'll just take an L on that he has not played this golf course so We'll see how it goes. If he's super low owned, which it shows five percent right now, I'm more I'm more inclined to take take the bait on Sheamus Power at his price at five percent owned than he was last week at fifteen percent owned or whatever he ended up being. Um, it just seemed like too high for for what he could do. But coming back this week, I think he'll get overlooked. You got Maverick McNeely right above him. Um, I think he's a fine play coming off a really strong finish last Sunday. And then let's see Taylor Gooch at 9300. I was on him last week, and he obviously exceeded my expectations. Uh, So I I have no issue going back to him. He also played this event last year and finished fourth. So he's probably he's honestly between him and Wise, it'll be tough. I I assume Wise will be a little bit more popular. Um, It's an interesting spot though, because you could you could kind of see ownership maybe maybe like Wednesday so we do the Wednesday night live stream at 8 30 p.m it may be what we'll do is we'll, we'll run a couple lineups in different in different optimizers using different projections and see which one comes out the most so like last week we ran I think 600 lineups with um with the projections on different sites and Matthew wolf showed up in zero and I think he was projected for like six percent owned and essentially if anyone's using an optimizer they're Going to get zero percent, Matthew Wolf. So we kind of figured he was going to come in lower than the projection. I'd like to do the same thing with Gooch and Wise. They're both right at. I have them right at seventeen to eighteen and a half percent owned. It's it's really close, and I wouldn't be surprised if one gets a slightly higher projection at basically the same price. They're hundred dollars apart, and maybe maybe skews the ownership a bit. It's a good way to test it. Um, I know guys do that in NFL and NBA. Sometimes they'll get an idea what other optimizers are spitting out as optimal. And I'm not so concerned with an optimal lineup. I just want to see if I run, you know, 150 lineups with, you know, site A, am I going to get, you know, 40% Taylor Gooch and 0% wise or vice versa? Or is it going to be literally 20% and 20%? Um, so that's what I'm curious about. And then Adam Scott, I do have, um marked at 9600 I probably won't get there but I I would encourage you to look into him and look into him um, look into playing him this week he is one of my my higher rank guys and from a ball striking aspect there's really there's really never a golf course you can't play him at it's just kind of becomes a price thing you you never really have good recent form for Adam Scott in terms of like good data because he takes multiple weeks um, he plays he takes multiple weeks between tournaments and uh, Adam Scott is probably going to be one that I don't make it into my list. So he played the CJ Cup and finished fifth, so pretty good. Um, but it's just one of those things. If if I pay up for Sam Burns, I, I really can't get to Adam Scott if I like Aaron Why. So there's a lot of good good options in this range. So keep that in mind. Again, if I I just want to highlight really quick the 8K up to Sam Burns. Um, if I really wanted to kind of rank my construction, it would be. Sam Burns, and then Sungjae over 10K. It would be Aaron Wise, and then Gooch, and then Adam Scott over 9K. And then it would be um, Seamus Power, Maverick McNeely, and then Mark Leishman over 8K. Didn't really mention much about Mark Leishman, but he's always in play on these golf courses. And he's a Masters guy, honestly. He hasn't won the Masters, but he always tends to play well there. So maybe there's a little uh, reciprocity. Reciprocity? I don't know what the word is. Reciprocal, but with the osity part at the end of it, you get it. Uh, all right, let's let's move down into the seven k range. Uh, I mentioned Mito uh, at the top of the show. I'm gonna go back to Mito. I I feel I feel bad about playing him last week because he missed the cut, but I don't really feel bad about how he played. Um, so I pulled up his scorecard, and I just want to kind of point out what what really went on, at least in my opinion. So we don't have strokes gain data, so it's really hard to just kind of go shot by shot. It would take me way too much time that than the benefit that I would get out of it um, to go shot by shot for Mito in the, the data that they provide. But what I did do is I looked at his back nine score. So for round one, he shot um, 70. He shot one under par. Not bad, not really a good score for the course being so easy. And then round two, he shot 78. He shot even on the front, and then he shot 42 plus 7 on the back. So I went through and looked at his different the different holes, what went on. Uh, most of it was driving, so I don't know if it was just his driver. Um, he missed both of the par threes and made bogey on those, so obviously irons were involved a little bit. But I really do think the, the driver was the issue. When I looked at his round-over-round difference, so he went from um, – 71% driving accuracy in round one, down to 42% driving accuracy in round two. So, um, long long drawn out excuse, basically why I, I think he struggled last week. Obviously, and the golf course is semi demanding off the tee. Like if you're spraying it, and guys on the PGA Tour still spray it, it, it just happens less frequently. Um, Mito, I think, had a rough back nine and. This is a good right-to-ship option for him. I, I think this is a good golf course for him. Seventy-four hundred yards, par seventy. He doesn't have to go crazy low. So I actually think his ball striking is can benefit here, and it's not too tricked up. I don't think the Mayakoba course is tricked up per se, um, but I do think there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of big numbers you can you can make at Mayakoba. This this week should be a little bit more straightforward for him. So. I do like Mito there. Harold Varner continues to play really well, um, very consistent. If we look through um, basically the entire fall swing, he's played really well. So he had a T11 back at the Sanderson Farms, and he had a T where did he go? T32 at the CJ Cup. So again, same thing as last week with him, uh, an MC after not playing for a while. He shot seventy one sixty eight, so not bad scoring. He just he missed it on the number. Um, and I'm fine going back to him. So those two are fine. Uh, Chad Ramey is one of the highest ranked guys I have at 7500 Um, I think we talked about him a few weeks back when he, I think he was like 6400 or something. And he had top, he had like 50th, uh, his odds for, for winning were 50th on the list. And he was $6,400 or something like that um, man, I wish I could explain myself better, but, uh, he's been playing, he's been playing very well. Um, statistically speaking, he is one of the highest ranked guys I have in terms of ball striking stats. And when I bake in putting, he is even higher. So Chad Ramey, his last couple starts, uh, T14 at the Shriners. And I think it was a T17. I just lost him. Um, yeah, T17 at the Bermuda. So not the most, not the strongest fields in the world, but for 7,500, he's actually been playing very consistent. So I I like taking a chance on that. Um, And then as we go down, 7,100 is the last guy I'll mention. Taylor Moore is a very interesting play for me. Corn Ferry tour guy. Again, uh, you're trying to, the false swing is interesting. You're kind of trying to pick guys that are, that obviously have upside you, you obviously need the upside but you want guys that are playing well not necessarily in one category or another um if we look through his last couple starts he finished 17th at the sanderson 24th at the shriners so for his price this week a top 25 is is very pleasing um but like i said he does it in different ways that i think people overlook so um he gained six strokes putting at the shriners not the end of the world. I think mean, guys get turned off by that pretty quickly. And for his career on the Corn Fairy, I shouldn't say career, his season last year on the Corn Fairy Tour, I mean, I think he finished in the top 10, like 21%, 22% of his starts. I mean, it's very a very high number. Um, so I'm I'm very interested in going back there. So recap the seven K range. Sorry for going down the Mito, but I, I do think it's a great it's a great bounce back spot for him, and I think his ownership actually will be lower than what most of these sites are projecting. Um, we have him at twelve and a half, and I assume it's going to be even lower than that. Let's see seven K range. If I were to rank the seven K range, mm, definitely I, I definitely put Mito number one. Um, I'd say Varner number two. A sneaky pick for me is kind of Max Homa. Kind of like Max Homa this week. And then uh, Taylor Moore I mentioned at 7,100. And then Chad Ramey I would put at 7,500. It's kind of like a GPP play. Um, Taylor Moore's a GPP play too. Um, but Chad Ramey is is one. I want to see what his ownership starts to come in at. All righty. Down into the 6K range where he gets really fun. Um a couple of guys that really stood out I'll say early on when I was looking. Uh, Hudson Swafford, Scott Stallings, all guys with top tens in the last couple of weeks. Um I believe I think I thought Swafford did. Let me double check. I'm sorry. A couple may cuts. So T thirty two and a T thirty-three um for Swafford. Scott Stallings had the T five at the Bermuda. So that was the top ten. And then he missed the cut last week. So those two, as far as like 6K guys, at least have some upside in the last couple weeks. Um, going down further than that, Jason Duffner at 6,300 is probably, I think there's one other guy that I'm going to mention that will go cheaper than um, the Jason Duffner stats usually are, are pretty good. And if you want to get a, a deep punt, Jason Duffner has been, been the guy to go to. So to kind of finish off, to put it in perspective for Jason Duffner, because I think, it's really hard to segregate like the last season and then the the fall swing. And and he really he, he honestly didn't play that well last season, but he finished off with I think six straight made cuts. Yeah. One, two, three, f- sorry, five straight made cuts. And then the MC at the Bermuda when it was blowing, I don't know, twenty five miles per hour. I'm not too concerned with six so Jason Duffner at sixty three hundred, I have a good bit of interest in. Um I think it's interesting to play Trey Molinax this week as well. And that would be, I think, the last guy on my list. So Trey Molinax coming off, he had a a bad health issue the last couple years. Was on the PGA Tour. You probably remember him. I think he hit chili dip one at the uh, Valero Texas Open a couple years back. Got back on the Corn Ferry Tour. Got his card. And now he's back out here. So um, he started off the fall swing pretty good. He, f- he finished fourth of the Sanderson, 56th of the Shriners. He didn't play really well tee to green, and then uh, missed cut last week at the Mayakoba. If we look through his card at the Mayakoba last week, 69-71. So kind of that same ballpark. He missed a cut by two shots and uh, just didn't get anything going. I think he had five birdies. Let's see. No, actually, he had more than that. So he had one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine birdies over the two days. So nine birdies over the two days, but his, I think he had a couple. He had one double on Friday, and he just had a lot of bogeys on uh, on Thursday. So nine birdies is actually pretty good. So I'll take some Trey Molinax this week at 6,200, and those will really be my deep, my deep punts. Um, the other guys that I have highlighted in this range, Davis Riley, Another corn Ferry tour guy, um, Luke List at sixty nine hundred. If you want to take the ball striking route uh, and distance route, I guess you technically call it that. Um, and that's really that's really it. Let's see. Yep, I think that'll do it. So. Stay tuned this week at Fantasy Golf Bag. I'll do the live stream Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. So you can follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Golf Bag. You can follow me on Twitter at Red Kachik. Um As always, if you see a tweet, you can retweet it, like it, anything, any interaction, ask a question, always helps us out. And you can find these rankings for free at FantasyGolfBag.com. And my article will be out Tuesday evening for this week, um, highlighting Really, kind of how my my construction will go for both cash and GPPs with those rankings. So a lot of it will be kind of repeating what I uh, what I mentioned as far as Sam Burns, Aaron Wise, etc. And it'll give a few other additional thoughts on guys that maybe if I overlooked or will move up my list between now and tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon. So appreciate everybody tuning in to the Fantasy Golf Bag podcast. I hope to see you Wednesday night uh, for the FGB live stream. And uh, best of luck this week for the Houston Open. Um, Hopefully everyone gets a, a nice sweat before the holidays roll around. Maybe someone can cash, you know, a nice six figures. That never hurts. So best of luck this week, guys. See you later.